going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Talking Out My Eyes Podcast. If you guys are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and enjoying the show, please do me a favor, write a review, give me a five-star rating to help grow the show. If you are watching on YouTube, please subscribe, like, comment, share the episode with your friends and family or on your social media platforms. My guest today is a black belt jiu-jitsu coach, a teacher, student, and a martial artist. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Chris Murphy. Coach Murph, what is up, brother? Nothing much, brother. Thanks for having me on. Hey, I had a this is a this is my first ever question for you. Uh your name is Chris. Yeah. But people call you Murph. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think anybody knows my real name. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny because when I was doing the intro, I wanted to say Murph. And I was like, he has a first name. So I was like, oh my God. I feel like everybody just refers to you as Murph. They so do. it's like that's your first name. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I don't think I think people have been calling me that since fourth grade. Really? Yeah, so I don't know how that, that stuck, but it stuck. How did that translate to you in the gym? Because like you're a coach now, so how did that translate? Did the students just catch on to that? Yeah, just it's Coach Murph. Catching? Yeah, they picked it up, and yeah, so it's Coach Murph. It's <laughs> just official. followed you throughout the whole way. Yeah, pretty much now. I don't even think anybody knows me by my real name. Like, if you ask somebody, hey, you know Chris Murphy? They might be like, yeah. no, but you say, hey, you know Coach Murph? They'll be like, yeah, I know that guy. So <laughs> it works. Yes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, brother. So I wanted to get into um, and how you started martial arts. Did you did you ever fight? Yeah, before. Yeah, I had. Uh, I, I, so I started early, bro. Oh, okay. So I found jujitsu and MMA back in like 2000 and right out of high school, like 2004. Oh. So I had my first pro fight in 2007. So yeah, Dang. I had a couple fights and then I took off for a long time because. We got into growing outdoor marijuana. It was a big thing for a yeah, while. It was yeah, very valuable. Yeah. So I packed up, moved up to the hills, moved up to Chico, California for a while. Okay. And we were kind of living off the grid, but I was still training. There's a gym up there called Standalone MMA. A lot of tough guys. So I was training with them. And uh, yeah. so and then so after that, that's when I had enough money to just kind of dip to Brazil for a while. And damn, just yeah, keep Brazil? pursuing. Yeah. Did you train out of there? Yeah. Went down there for a couple of years. Was at Novo Niao. And uh, oh. but like we were talking about, MMA is just it's a tough way to make a living. So I had a couple fights and then realized, thank God, real early, like, hey, if I'm going to be in martial arts and I'm going to make money off it, it's probably on the other end being a coach. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that was the move. So, yeah. Is it honestly, bro, I have uh, with my coach, uh, I would see the stress that he carried when it comes to like cornering fighters. And uh, I think fighting in general is very stressful. But like when I would view him, I never really looked at it, the coach's point of view. But when I would analyze him, I'm like, damn, this guy's under a lot of stress. Yeah. Did, did, how was it for you when you're cornering athletes, whether it's jujitsu practitioners or fighters? I mean, it's, it's stressful, you know. Uh, but when you prepare them right and, and you believe in the process you're putting them through and things like that, it, it's not as stressful. But uh, yeah. still going in, having your fighters go in there and watching them, you know, get beat up, punched, kicked, it's, it's not that easy. It's never yeah. easy. So, yeah. Do you ever think about the. Because I see this a lot within the UFC corners where they uh, sometimes they stop the fight or they choose to keep the fight going. Um, do you ever like think about those scenarios in the future where it's like you may have to throw in the towel or you may make the decision where, no, you're going to bite down on that mouthpiece and you're going to just keep going. Do you ever think about those? Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's all about doing what's best for the fighter, keeping them safe, especially yeah. if they want to stay in the game, right? We're, yeah. we're playing the long game and I think the more damage you take unnecessarily, I think the more it pushes you out of the game early, right? Yeah. So and for me, bro, cause like now that I'm like away from the game, I'm super cautious when it comes to brain damage. But back then, I would be fucking furious if my coach ever threw in the towel and stopped the fight. Even if I was taking damage, because that's that killer mentality, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, don't stop me. It you know, is. like let this fight keep going. But now, I mean, I think I would still be angry. 
but at the same time, it's like, would I do that to a right another athlete? Right, exactly. And man, I'm gonna I'm getting close to forty, bro. I'll be thirty eight in a few You're months. Fucking and, young looking, bro. <laughs> That's but man, crazy. I tell you what, bro. Every year you you, you think a little bit smarter, right? So yeah. it's like I look at these guys now at thirty seven, yeah. And I'm like, well, well, if we let them take those kind of beatings, where are they going to be at thirty seven? Yeah, right, or forty, and so on. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, MMA is great, but I mean, you and me both know it's a tough way to make a living. Yeah, and it's like get in there, yeah, get a couple fights under your belt, get some experience, and uh, but figure out what's next, right? Yeah, because I mean, it's a short window. And uh, you got to have a backup plan. That's what I tell these young guys, the guys that want to do it. Great, let's do it. Let's get there. But what's what's going to be after fighting? I want you to think about what's after fighting. Yeah. So and, and it's funny too because uh, Daniel White said a comment that was very uh, that triggered a lot of fighters, where he said uh, fighting is not a uh, career; it's an opportunity. And I agree with that. It's true because it's a very like you said, it's a very short window of time, and you have to make the most out of it. Where and it's it's sad too because I, I feel like uh MMA in particular, it got away from like the very like the respect, the martial arts aspect of it, where now it's all all about entertainment. And if you think back at the old Gladiator days, it was that. It was always entertaining. Yeah. You know, like I think in the movie Gladiator, I don't know if you remember that scene where it's like stop stop killing everybody so fast and entertain the crowd. Oh please yeah. Please the crowd. So it correlates to like that where it's like that never went away. That whole method was just like, you always have to entertain in the crowd. You always have to put asses on the seats because that's what gets the pay-per-views. That's what gets viewers. So like GSP, I love GSP for that because he always kept that principle of respect. Absolutely. You know? And, and like, I think that we're something we're kind of losing, right? With As MMA and martial arts kind of modernizes, right? It's getting a little more kind of away from the respect, respect yeah. for your opponent, respect from the crowd, yeah, right? Things like that. So it's interesting the way it's turning, but... Hey, it's good if these guys can make money off of it, right? And like guys like Conor McGregor, and they do some ridiculous things, but it pays off later, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, so yeah, you're an entertainer at the end of the day, so. Yeah, and what about like fighters who don't play that role as an entertainer, where they're very respectful, very, you know, humble and so on and so forth, quiet and just train and win their fights. But as we see it, they don't make it. Right. And that sucks, right? It does. Because he could be so talented, he or she could be dominating every athlete they put in front of. Just like Kobe Covington, how he had to flip his character. That's crazy to me. It is crazy. But it's the entertainment industry at the end of the day, right? And you look at MMA, it's almost becoming like WWE wrestling in a way where you have to embody a character. Yeah. Right? And you got to play that character and you got to play that role because that's going to lead you to the money. Yeah. Right? And let's be honest. I mean, if you can make money off MMA, beautiful. But again, it all comes back to, hey, having that backup plan what's next yeah yeah and i think that's important to like use that because it's funny bro like i have this weird uh philosophy towards fighting where i don't recommend people to fight but at the same time fighting is what gave me like this very sickening mindset in a be- in the best of way oh absolutely so it's strange where it's like i i tell people like oh you should learn how to defend yourself you should learn how to physically know how to really harm somebody if you really had to put be put in that situation um, but at the same time, it's like, I never want to see somebody take damage, you know, like my younger brother, it's hard to see him fight. Cause it's like, it's tough. I don't want to see anybody take unnecessary damage right. as well. And even for you, bro, like, um, while you were fighting, while you were training, did you, uh, suffer like say concussions and a lot of, Ooh, I got days. Did you get a lot of those? Oh, bro, <laughs> let me tell you a story. Just this past Saturday, I'm in, I'm in the gym Shit. wrestling around with a kid. I snap yeah. his head down. 
His head comes up, hits me right under the jaw, bro. Knocked both my bottom teeth loose. So what? I got two loose teeth in my mouth right now as we're talking. Reese, this was this was Saturday. Yeah, Jesus you can hear I got a little Christ. like little I don't impediment going. <laughs> but man, yeah, my teeth on the bottom are loose right now. Like they're jiggling around in my mouth. So wow. I mean, even you know what I mean? Like all these years later, I've been you know doing jujitsu now twenty years. Yeah. So I mean, it's like <laughs> it can happen on any given day at any given moment, and it usually happens when you're going slow, right? You're moving slow. You're not trying to go hard and some crazy white belt or some crazy new guy, right? And they're the more they're the more dangerous ones. Yeah. Right? I mean, you get two guys who know how to move together, it's 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 a lot safer, but you throw these guys in who are spastic and <laughs> strong and explosive, man, and they're the ones you kind of got to watch out for in the training yeah. room. So, how do you how do you get people balanced within cuz you know a white belt they're super eager, they're super intense, they're they're not very experienced, so they kind of go in there like trying to prove something. How do you kind of flip their mindset to the point where it's like, guys, you got to like just be a student and just go with the flow? Well, I think their mindset flips just, uh, I mean, by nature. You get in there and you run at people 100% and you're just dog tired, right? And you look around and there are these guys who can go the whole hour and they're rolling around and they're executing the techniques. So eventually I think it's up to you to kind of figure out like I need to relax yeah. and I need to apply the technique because exploding, we all know, it only gets you so far, right? So yeah, you get gas really yeah. quick. You know? Yeah, it's and, a lesson. And it's funny, I, I could always tell, like when you first start, you, you shake hands and you're just going, you feel it in the first three seconds of like how this is going to go. And you're like, oh, you're going to gas in like a minute. So I was like, you should breathe a little bit, take it easy. But that's with experience. Yeah. That takes time. That Same takes thing time. at sparring too, where you see these guys are super tense and super eager. and But it's like, relax. Like it's better to just be like see everything because if you're intense, if you're so tense and you're just kind of going forward, you're gonna you're, you're gonna, gonna get hit. Yeah, you're gonna miss the fight. You're <laughs> gonna miss what's going on, right? So, do you ever study athletes like fighters currently? Oh yeah, yeah, all the time. Who do you like time. to study the most? Right now, the guy I like the most is um, what's his name, man? Uh, the guy, the the Russian guy. He's a 145 pound champ, or not the Russian guy. The the guy from um, uh, what's his name? Iceland, Iceland. No, he's the guy from uh, man, I'm Australia? sorry, Australia, uh, New Zealand. Oh, he fights him with the Izzy. He trains yeah, out of um, yeah. Alexander, Alexander Volkanovsky or Volkanovsky, something. Volkanovsky, like there it is. Yeah, I watch a lot of him. I break yeah. a lot of him down. Sorry, it's I'm bad with names, <laughs> right? Terrible with names. Yes. But uh, yeah, I like Volkanovsky a lot. Yeah. I like right. how he fought Max in the third fight. Yeah. Because uh, I feel like the first fights were, were kind of like just points. But the third one, he was kind of like putting his hands down, looking at him like, like showing him like I'm the fucking man. Yeah. You know? Yeah, Volkanovsky's good. I think he's one of the best uh fighters right now in the game yeah what so. about him going up a weight class do you think that's a good idea you know i mean if, if there's a big paycheck involved i understand it yeah. but again it all comes down to damage but if you're gonna get paid like that to take some damage i guess it's good yeah why not yeah, the fans yeah. are gonna love it people are gonna love it and again it's the entertainment industry yeah i mean i fuck i'm gonna watch it yeah me too <laughs> so are you, bro. yeah it's gonna be great i can't wait so <laughs> i know man it's crazy so when it's it's pretty nuts where like when you when you start to build up your fighters significantly like just one by one and they start to grow whether it's the amateur ranks the professional ranks and then they get to Bellator they get to the UFC uh have you ever already pictured put your like self in those shoes oh like, definitely definitely yeah. yeah like we got plans to take people into the biggest shows so yeah. Uh, and I just started a little sports management company too with a couple friends. So nice. not only am I training athletes and stuff, but now we're managing and helping them get fights and sponsorships and yeah. we're going to help them chase the money down. So Good. it's a uh, Genesis sports management is the name of the company. Okay. Okay. So That's yeah, we're trying sick, to, dude. yeah. Uh, I, I had a question about that because I know somebody who does management and, um, 
I always like I always wondered, especially I have you in front of me. I might as well ask you this For question. Sure. How do you go approaching by manage uh, managing an athlete? Because for me, I was gonna sponsor uh, an athlete recently, but I didn't because this person may be talented, but I looked at their outside life. Oh yeah. So what's your method on on the, like finding like oh I'm gonna like take care of this athlete? Well, I think you just nailed it. I yeah. mean, yeah, you got to be a great athlete, but what kind of person are you? Because if you're representing a brand or my brand or anybody's brand, yeah. right? I mean, you're wearing that brand whether you're in the cage and outside of it. So, yeah. right? I think character is a big thing, right? Mm -hmm. You got to be the character. You got to have the, the attitude. You got to be coachable. You got to be humble, yeah. right? Yeah. So those yeah. are things that we're looking for in guys. And I mean, I don't care if your record's if you got a winning record, if it's lopsided, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll help you rebuild or we'll build you. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, I think, I think you just nailed it right there. Yeah. So. It's cause I, I would look at the individual as like, man, this person's talented. This person has like such a good future behind them. But when I looked at their outside life and their, um, discipline outside, I'm like, Oh, it's, that's like a ticking time bomb. Right. So for me to kind of put this under there and like, cause me, I'm, I would want to pay my athletes. Absolutely. I would want to take care of them. Absolutely. But if it's, it's kind of bad to like say to kind of re refu refuse to because of what they do on the outside of like their fight career. But at the same time, it's like if you want to be like a professional athlete, that takes so much of your time and you have to be willing to say no all the time. And people don't understand that. Like when you were fighting, how was your lifestyle during your fight career? I mean, I was kind of young and wild, so. <laughs> You're like, fuck. Yeah, yeah, I was young and wild, right? And uh, I was, you know, having a good time and, you know, living kind of a faster life. Yeah. But also it was, man, this was like, I got involved in it early, Yeah. right? I mean, when I was Super when I was coming up, man, there was no amateur MMA. I mean, we were fighting in smokers. We were doing pancreation fights. Yeah. You know, jujitsu tournaments were here and there. I think there was only a couple a year in now California. Like every now month. it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So I think these guys today, they're in a spot where, I mean, you can take an organization like Camo or there's a lot of, you know, the 559 or you got yeah. the uh, the fights in Santa Cruz that Daniel Compton's putting on. Yeah. So, I mean, these guys are doing a lot of great things for these guys who are wanting to come up, things that yeah. we didn't even have. I mean, guys were going pro right away, you know what I mean, back yeah. in my day, and they were doing things like that. And so I feel like, you know, you guys have – these guys coming up, they got they got the right head start. They can yeah. get all the experience now. They can do it the right way. Yeah. So And, and that's the point, man, like put – put asses on the seats yeah you know so and it's do you would you have to do you think you're gonna have or there's somebody on your team i'm sure or you were to talk about the marketing aspect the promoting aspect you know because that's what i did Brian. like i used my social media to sell tickets you know and that's it helped me so much throughout my whole fight career was i was known as the guy who put ass on the seats because when you do that, you get a fat fucking commission. Oh, yeah. So it's like, why wouldn't I chase for after right. that? But when these fighters were like, I don't care about selling tickets. I'm like, oh, you don't want money. Right. 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 You got you to gotta flip, flip the mentality. Dude. Right? Because, I mean, money isn't everything, bro, yeah. but it's necessary, bro. Yeah. And it makes life easier. And if you're going to be a fighter, you got to figure out how to wait. You got to find a way to the bag. Right? Yeah. Because, I mean, we've all been there. Right, where you're living on someone's couch or, you know, staying with family, living with family, yeah. chasing the dream. But it's like you gotta know when to you gotta know when to move on. Yeah. Right. If you're not getting the money, if you don't know how to get the money off of it, you know what I mean? That's when the backup plan becomes Yeah. Do you ever does it break your heart when you see a retired 
fighters, like well-known fighters, like say Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz, or just people who are considered like say has-beens, uh, continuing to try to fight. Does that kind of like break your heart? It does. I mean, these are guys, I mean, I got to watch these guys in their prime. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it hurts your legacy. I think you should protect your legacy. That's an important thing. And not only your legacy, you know, your body, your brain. And I can tell you from pushing 40 years old, bro, everything hurts more every year. <laughs> really? So, yeah. Shit. Like, it's like, I mean, I'm good when I warm up, but there was a time when I didn't even have to warm up. I could come walk yeah. in the room, put my mouthpiece in and just get to work. But now yeah. stretching, you know, <laughs> warming up, foam rolling, taking rest days. I mean, those yeah. things matter more. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I always preach that more, like recovery. Like people will see like, oh, you get the gains from like, oh, rigorously being in the gym. But it's like, yeah, but your body repairs while you're resting. So it's like you have to prioritize that too. Because oh, yeah. burnout is a real fucking thing, man. Have you ever experienced burnout while oh, like... Yeah, man, big time. <laughs> yes. I mean, and, and you know, your body gives up, but your mind, your, your mind, yeah. you know, you have to step away because of your mind. Yeah. I mean, even more than the body, like... Every year around this time, I mean, it's December, I get bored with doing jujitsu and, and teaching martial arts. I get bored with it. Really? And yeah. I mean, because think about it. You do it all year. You do it for 20 years. And yeah. it becomes important to kind of, you know, throw something different in the routine, recovery, some weight training, yeah. uh, you know, some flexibility, mobility, yoga, whatever it may be. But if you pull your body and your mind away from martial arts for a while, I think you get a deeper appreciation for it. And then you can go back to it and... uh you can kind of get more out of it. Yeah, so that's how you pretty much remain that spark, right? Where you keep that by doing a variety of other things. Yeah. That's smart because I feel like that too, when you do the same thing constantly, it's like things kind of get stagnant. They do. things get kind of boring, like you said. Yeah, they get monotonous, right? It's the yeah. same thing over and over. And so that break, I mean, it's all about being, you know, a man of routine and a person of routine, but breaking your routine just for your own sanity, you know, it feels good sometimes, so. Yeah, and honestly, bro, like while, while you were fighting, uh, what's probably one of like the greatest like gifts that it gave you um just the mentality to go after what i want right i mean most people are afraid to go after what they want in life yeah but man we're, we're down to just bite down and go for it so i mean i'm sure you can say the same thing yeah right like fighting gives you that belief in yourself the ability to go get what you want so it's like a weird belief too yeah where it's like oh that's not it's almost like you kind of look at it like you i feel like fighters specifically like we we embrace adversity with a big smile on our face Totally. You know, totally. it's like we don't shy away from it. We just kind of welcome it where it's like, okay, like we kind of understand that like life is just this huge obstacle that we're just like literally climbing our way towards. And fighters, I feel like they're just multiple steps ahead because being a fighter every day was fucking hard, fucking hard. So we've had that taste and that's literally what life is. It's fucking hard. But for us, we're smiling right oh yeah big difference oh yeah so i and it's crazy too like how how would you think that people would just need like reverse their whole philosophy like towards that because my thing is do something difficult and like i don't know like what you would pass on to your people who are maybe struggling on just overall life i would say the same thing i would not only say do something difficult i'd say do something difficult every day yeah get up and do something hard every day yep. right and especially i mean for men and people in general, the more we get out of life and the more we acquire, shit, life gets harder. Yeah. People think, you know, building something and acquiring a lot, right? Whether it be wealth, whether it be material of any kind, they think once you get it, the work is done. No. Right? But no. again, that fighter mentality allows us to get up every day, right? And maintain. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It so, doesn't stop. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's funny because like I have multiple things going currently and building, bro, like it's 
people see that like, oh my God, Daniel's able to do whatever he wants. No, I don't. I'm literally like locked in my room working, grinding and hustling and building. Like I, to the average individual, they say my life is boring, but for me, building is fun. That's my form of fun. So it's like, oh, it's like to me, yes, I call it, oh yeah, my boring lifestyle, but to them it's boring, but to me it's fun, you know, because I feel like if I'm not doing hard shit every day, then I don't like me. So I like me better when I'm doing hard shit. Like this morning, working out fucking early in the morning when everybody's asleep. I could literally be sleeping in. Today was my day off where I could have still laid in my bed, but I chose, no, do something fucking hard because that's what makes you multiple steps ahead. But why do you think people avoid that so much? Comfort's easy, right? I think people are comfortable being comfortable. That's, that's the worst part about it, right? And I think comfort is like slow death. Yeah. right it really is i mean like you said you enjoy building and people criticize you for it until they look at you one day and you got a castle built around you yeah and then they're gonna be like oh i, I knew you could do it uh. but hey you you said i was boring <laughs> yes <laughs> meanwhile i'm in my room laying brick by brick by brick until my castle is built yeah. so it's like people don't appreciate what you do and your sacrifice and your hard work mm. until they see the castle until yeah. they see what you built and it's funny bro because you hear a lot of these people and i'm sure you bumped into a lot of these people too where they speak about like what they want and what they want to do, but and then they do the complete opposite. Where they they almost do like the what the rest of the ninety nine percenters do, and it's like that that kind of just slows down progress. That halts progression. And the simple like my my greatest one of my greatest mentors, Victor Jones, and he just kind of like instilled that into me. Like I always had discipline, but it's like oh you had to change like that mindset towards it too. So now it's like I look at everything as an asset or a liability. Say like having this conversation with you, that's an asset for me. Like being able to go back and edit it and like hear everything that you give me, that's an asset. If I'm bullshitting, staying up late, fucking snorting cocaine or you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a liability. So, but people don't view it that way. They just kind of see it as like, oh, I'm just going to fucking go with the flow. But it's like there's consequences to that. So oh, it's totally. and you as a coach, like people, bro. I've had so many people refer, tell me that like Coach Murph is my mentor. Does that? Do you have a lot of pressure when people tell you that? You know, I I really don't feel pressure. Yeah, I don't feel pressured by it at all. I feel like I feel like this is like the path that God put me on. Mm. Right? It's like all these people come to me. I feel like I attract broken souls. You know what I mean? Yeah. People come to me broken and. Man, I'm, I'm not a fight coach. I'm a confidence coach. Mm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. these people come to me and the thing I do is I just make them believe in themselves. And, and that's the important part, right? It's like having somebody that believes in you, it's easier to go after those goals. Yeah. You can become that 1% just because one person's telling you you can, right? And it's a world full of people that don't want to see you come up yeah. for whatever reason. They don't want to see you make it, right? And it's like, I've heard my whole life, it's strangers that are going to help you get there, bro. It's so true. Isn't that crazy? So true. Why? I don't know why that is. It's like, I mean, when you come from the same place as somebody else, you're the measuring stick, right? And every time you separate yourself or you elevate a little farther past them, they're measuring, well, why am I stagnant and why is he or she moving? Yeah. So I think that's where that comes from is people who come from where you come from don't want to see you pass them up. As crazy as that sounds. I don't get, but my thing was, bro, like um, somebody told me they're like, Daniel, why are you always comparing yourself? I'm like, to who? Like, to people? I was like, no, no, no. I was like, you kind of have it wrong. Like, I see, I study the greats, 
and I ask questions. That's all I do. So it's like, I'm not comparing, I'm studying. You know, I study what they do and I'm like, what system did they build to get to that place? That's what, it, instead of bitching and moaning, be like, oh, this person's so successful. Like what, this person doesn't deserve it. Why you could, why bitch when you can join them? But we, there's like this big society thing where it's like people would rather just hate rather than ask questions and join the team. So I don't, I don't know when that shift will change. And what do you, how did that even happen? Was it always like that? Do you think? Yeah. Yeah. It's always been like that, man. It's always been the same. I mean, there's a book called the 48 laws to power. You ever heard of it? I have. It's right behind me. <laughs> yeah. It's a great book, yes. but I mean, there's reference points in that book to where like thousands of years ago, men, women had the same tendencies to be jealous, envious, right? Greed, uh, all these things. It's like, those are things that are instilled in most people, but yeah. I think the only the people who get past that are the people just like yourself who you see, oh, not what they have, but I'm going to find out what they did to get there. And I believe in myself that much yeah. that I know if I learn their system, I can be right there with them. But again, yeah. that's the fighter in you. Yeah, that's the fighter. That's that belief in yourself. Like, hey, I can do it. Mm -hmm. I think that's what most people are missing is just that belief. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's, it's almost like, man, they have. Like you said, they have to do some difficult shit every single day in order to get that belief. Because, bro, when you when you accomplish something difficult, that gives you like a weird confidence. But if you do something difficult daily, it's almost like you kind of wake up like, what the fuck are you going to do? Like, like you literally talk to life like that. Oh, what yeah. the fuck are you going to do to me? Oh, yeah. And it's weird. But people view that as like you're cocky and you're arrogant it's like dude no i just do difficult shit every day that makes that gives me a different kind of confidence absolutely but that's seen as bad <laughs> no no and there's a dude. massive bro there's a difference between arrogance and confidence and people get that twisted and yeah i feel like when a confident man walks into a room i feel like it irks men who aren't confident yep right and yep. it's like they start judging and nitpicking you and it's like bro like someone needs to speak the belief i have in myself into you and maybe you could be right here with me yeah and like, I don't know why that's so bad, bro. Like, I mean, I, I, I feel like ever when people build something, when they're doing a project, when they're starting a business, when they're putting themselves out there, that's when people get the most criticism because they're like, like you said, the people that you grew up around, like, what do you know? Right. <laughs> right? Like, they're like, what do you have to offer to this world? Right. It's kind of like how they look at you. Yeah. Why though? That's a trip, bro. Right. They want to they want to criticize what you're doing. Meanwhile, they're stagnant doing nothing. Right. And it's like, man, you're over here judging me. I, I'm trying to elevate. I'm trying to move up. I'm trying to move past where most people are. And yeah, hey, go ahead and fire off on me. But it ain't going to stop me. Yeah. Say what you want. Say what you will. But hey, we're going regardless. I always, I always take mental notes of, uh, let's say, the people who do the make the comments, because when things do blow up, then I'll remember. Oh, yeah. And I'll be like, oh, no, I remember you specifically. I'm like, because my circle is very small, bro. Like uh, our mutual friend, Hannah, she will literally tell you that like, she'll say it. Dan, you have a very boring life. She'll say that. She says that. She says that to me. She'll probably say that to anybody who asks, but to, to other people, it's boring. But to me, it's fun. But it's funny when <laughs> like I notice those people, bro, and I just keep them aside. And I'm like, man, like I appreciate you giving me that compliment and wanting to like enter the circle, but you're going to stay over there. Absolutely. And like, I don't know why it's that too, or like they, they know of you and they talk shit, but when you go big, they're like, dude, Daniel, remember in high school, come on, like, let's hang out again. It's like, 
stay over there, my friend. <laughs> Those type of people are the first ones to have their hand out when you make it, right? Hey, you remember me? We were in class together in fifth grade, bro. You remember me, right? Like, no. I don't, bro. <laughs> I sorry. Don't. Yeah, where were you when I was struggling, man? Where were you when I needed a couple people in my corner, you know, believing in me? Yeah. Right? But they want to come back during the good times, man. But it all comes down to that. Nobody wants to put in the work. Nobody wants to suffer. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. man, if, if you want to do something and you want to brand yourself or build anything, it takes time, bro. Yep. And uh, like I got my hands in all kinds of stuff right now. And uh, there's ups and downs. Yeah. Right? But I think, again, it's that fighter mentality that when you're down, you're not out, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you're down, it's like, hey, this is starting to get fun. Yeah. You know, let's go for it. Let's get in there. Let's keep pushing forward. And that's why we have our breakthroughs and we're going to have our breakthroughs because yeah. we don't quit. We don't stop. I know. And bro, that's what I love. That's what I love about fighters. Like every single one of my past teammates, every single person in the fight community, I am never worried about you guys you know what i mean it's like when you were telling me that you have so many avenues going on i'm literally like thinking in my head like dude it's gonna fucking take off you oh, know yeah. what i mean because oh, like yeah. look at the shit that we carry in us you know what i mean oh, it's yeah. just it's we we just carry this sickening work ethic that's very uncommon and people like say like oh where do you get this from like where how, how did that develop part of it was upbringing Part of it was like experiences and lessons, but the biggest part of it was from fighting. Absolutely. So <laughs> people are going to probably hear this and be like, damn, I need to be a fighter. Yeah. <laughs> damn right. I mean, like like you said earlier, I would recommend learning how to fight and yes. building the mentality. Yeah. But getting in there and fighting, if you want to do it, great. I yeah. mean, but you know what I mean? It's a tough way to make a buck, everybody. Yeah. But it. I think when we were talking about this, when we like last saw each other, it's uh like the glory of it. Oh yeah. It's like, we don't, before, even for me, like I never thought about the money. I didn't care about the money. I cared about the, the effect of it, of what it gave me. That's what I thought of. Like you said, the glory of it, the glory, it's unbeaten. Oh yeah. You know, like Absolutely. bro, like the wins and the losses, you don't forget those that will live to you till the day of you, until you die and until the afterlife, literally, it just stays with you, bro. Like that experience will never fade from you. And it's funny when you see these old videos of like old men still like popping it and moving it's like it doesn't leave your body it doesn't you know it doesn't and people ask me that like oh daniel since you're not since you're retired now like you don't even fight anymore like do you can you still fight i'm like can you still ride a bike you know can oh, yeah. you still cook can you still shit like can you still take a shower like it's the same thing same thing it doesn't leave your fucking body it doesn't it doesn't bro those are skills that last you a lifetime yeah right and uh it's knowledge you can pass on yeah Right. And I think that's the best part about being a coach, man. It's like I've accumulated skills, yeah. knowledge, all these things. And it's like giving them to other people. And it's like, okay, I know what I could do with them and what I did with them, but mm. seeing what you're going to do with them and, and what you can do yeah. and watching you tap in, that, that's the most rewarding part. Yeah. So. And honestly, bro, like within coaching, uh, what is the hardest thing about it? And what's the best thing about it? The hardest thing about it uh, is... I mean, you spend time, years. I've built people for years, yeah. seven, eight years into some of these people, and uh, they up and just walk away. Life gets in the way. Uh, you know, life happens. They graduate. They join a military. They get a job. They get a girl pregnant. Um, or they just lack loyalty, you know, mm -hmm. don't appreciate what you've done for them. Yeah. And uh, so that's the hardest thing is, like, you take these people all the way, you give them everything you have, and then they they – turn their back on you because they choose to or life happens and so you got to be able to understand that right like everybody you touch and everything you touch it's temporary right so i mean put your hand on it water it give it what you can give them what you can but 
just realize as a coach that everybody's going to walk away from you eventually. So, And what about the best thing about it? The best thing about it is, uh, like I said, just watching people walk in the door like broken. Mm. You know, they don't believe in who they are, what they're about. And then a couple years go by, man, and they're a monster. Yeah. They're, they're like us. They'll go take the world on, bro. They'll yes. chase what they want. They'll go after the girl they want. They'll go after the job they want. <laughs> right? And I think there's nothing better, you know? So yeah, that's the most yeah. rewarding part is you turn somebody who's walking with their head down into, into a monster who's got their chest out and walking at life saying, bring it. Yeah. So that's the best, bro. And like, that's what I love about, say, mentors and coaches and teachers, man. They they play a big part in like roles. Because like, there were, there were some people that I've, layers of my life where like i've learned something from people you know like i've i've had during my amateur career or like not even my amateur career like before when i started training i had a coach there when i got into amateur i had my group of people there and then when you go up you level up you pro coaches like it's like you level up there too and like every person that was in my life during that time gave me something and like and they're all i'm still associated with all of them like they're still family and that's the thing that I don't like the loyalty aspect where they just kind of like, ah, you did your thing. I can move on. Right. But it's like, no, that person gave you something to make you this leap. You should still keep them around. Absolutely. And that the whole walking away thing, disrespectful. Yeah. I got students who I've taken really far. You know what I mean? Uh, and, uh, man, they feel all of a sudden like, Hey, it's time I move on, but don't cut me off. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I keep it real with my people and I want my people to go out. I'm not one of these coaches who says, hey, my way is the only way. Yeah. My way is a good way, but man, there's multiple ways. Yeah. And I want my students to go, even leave a while, a year, come back, you know, go out there, see what else there is, come back, you know, doors always open. So, yeah. But I, my, especially bro, the most valuable thing that we can give to somebody is time. And that's what you do. You put a lot of time into like every single one of these people and for them to like say walk away with like no explanation, no, no nothing. They just kind of like, ah, I'm, I'm out of here. But it's disrespectful for you and it's disrespectful for your time. It is. So that's what bothered. That would bother me the most. Yeah. The time, right? The time poured in. Uh, you don't get that back. No, you don't. And as a coach, bro, come on. Like you, it's not like you, you can go somewhere else. You know, like you're, you're in the station right here. You have everybody coming through those doors and they're coming to see you, right? So they need to remember that. They will. They do. They're, they're maybe young, maybe not disciplined, maybe yeah. just different mindsets. Don't know. Or maybe they like loyalty. You know, it could be that because there are those principles that people either carry with them or they just kind of like, they're very lackluster with shit. Right. So everybody has a different upbringing with all this shit man it's true man and you know i didn't have an understanding of it until i became a coach i mean when i was an athlete and a martial artist and a fighter i mean i didn't see that you know your coach he's trying to protect you by by keeping you there and uh i was the same way though oh yeah. i'll just go to this gym and i'll train today not thinking about what my coaches thought about it or yeah. so now that i'm older and i still encourage people to get out and 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 do it and, and learn from everybody. But man, yeah. you realize like loyalty is rare. Yeah. It's something that very few people have. And man, I've had my hands on a lot of kids. Like I said, I, some of these kids I've started training at eight, nine, 10 years old. And uh, as teenagers, I think out of a whole group of people I brought up, I got one guy left with me. And uh, yeah, Damn. shout out to my boy, Drew. Shout uh, out to Drew. <laughs> yeah. So we're rocking, you know what I mean? He's going to make his amateur MMA debut in a, in a month or two. So yeah. 
So how was that process, bro? Because <clears throat> I remember when I was an amateur, bro, <laughs> I was so intense. Like I was just like not flow. You know, I didn't understand myself then. I was just kind of like thrown into the fire. I was just so fucking nervous, making it seem like I wasn't. But deep down, it was just like, damn, dude, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm in my underwear fighting in front of my friends and family. It's the craziest <laughs> thing, right? It's crazy. It's a crazy thing, bro. It's it's definitely not for everybody, right? No. But no. Uh, that's the hardest part is the mental side, right? And uh, yeah. it's like the, the people who really separate themselves, in my opinion, I mean, there's a lot of great athletes. A lot of these people come and they're really high, high skill. Yeah. You know, they got great endurance. God gave them all these gifts. But, I mean, you pick up on the people who can handle it mentally right away. And I think, yeah. you know, those are the special ones, right? Yeah. Is that moment isn't too big for them. Uh, and, and they're able to just go in there and perform no matter how they're feeling. So those are the special people. Yeah. And then honestly, bro, like in my career, for the majority of it, I did focus more on physically than rather than mentally. So I, I thought I was like mentally steps ahead because I was confident, but I understood that uh, the mental side really correlates to how you fight. And I would notice in some of my losses too, I'm like, why wasn't I pushing forward? Why wasn't I reacting when he threw that shot at me why wasn't i doing that but it's like everything comes from that mental side you know it's like your your iq shows in the cage and it's like are you able to react are you going to see things are you going to counter and like hit him back like make him slip him make him make him hurt you know what i mean but i always did that i ignored a lot of the mental side and just really pushed forward on the physical i need more one more round i need another mile i need like just uh, so one more, one more of everything rather than really like doing the deep dive of like this. How was you, were you like that in your career? How was that? Man, the mental part is, it, it's the same thing. It's always been something I think we've all overlooked, yeah. right? And uh, you're your own biggest enemy or your own best friend, right? Yeah. And, uh, but I've had coaches on, on both ends, like where they were really, you know, extreme about talking about the fight all the time and, 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 Man, and you know what I mean? That wears on your fighter. So something I've learned as a coach, like I've learned how to become a better mental coach because yeah, we book the fight and we prepare for the fight and, and we watch film, but we don't need to talk and think about that fight every second. We're going to prepare for it as hard as we can, but we're going to give our brain the ability to just turn it off and, and, and not have the adrenaline on when it's not necessary. And uh, I think that makes fight day easier. Yeah. And it's the same thing on fight day. We're there. We're prepared. We don't need to talk too much about it. We know what we came to do and what we prepared to do. And let's just chill out. And then, you know what I mean? We'll warm up and then we'll start thinking about the fight before it happens, you know, yeah. within an hour or so. And yeah. I think that helps my students stay nice and relaxed and calm. And so. Yeah, man. And like for me too, bro, like I, the one thing that I regretted most in my career was like when I lost, I, I did not take it well where it's like. I would have family parties usually when I'd win and we all get together, eat some good food and just enjoy each other's company. And then when I lost, I'd be like, oh, everybody go home. I'm, I'm like, I'm going to go back home. Like I was a sore loser, you know, rather than like the people came here to support me. Uh, let's all go out, eat some good food, so on and so forth. And even though I lost, like if I were to say still fight and if I lost currently, I would have taken it like I still grew as an athlete. I still grew as a person. In all those weeks I have trained for this fight, I grew. Absolutely. I would definitely have a different mindset. But back then, I was hard on myself, for sure. But man, you got to celebrate your hard work. That's what, I never did that. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's like you gave not just eight weeks or whatever the camp's length uh, was, but the years of learning those skills before that, yeah. right? And celebrate the fact that 
you're willing to go out there and put it all on the line regardless of the outcome yeah. i mean i know guys i mean that's the hardest part for them is they want to fight but they just don't want to let themselves down or their family down and yeah. i think what separates the elite guys right is they don't care right regardless of the outcome they're gonna you know do it again they're gonna celebrate their hard work and moving past a loss, I mean, those are like lessons. I always tell my students, it's win or learn. I know that sounds real, you know, cheesy, but it's true. Man, it's so true. You learn so much more when you lose, right? Yeah. It's like now I need to go break down what I did wrong. Yep. And when we win, don't get me wrong, that feeling is beautiful, and we chase that feeling, and we want winners, right? As coaches, we want to make winners, but yeah. it's the people willing to go out there and put it all on the line and take the lesson from the loss, right? Those are the guys who are going to get better. Yeah, and then even like that too, where it's, I used to look at like, say one of my losses is on YouTube and like I got finished in the first round. And then like, I look at that back then when I did lose, I was like, damn, this is the most humiliating day, humiliating day of my life, embarrassing day of my life. And then now it's like, man, I could laugh at that. Yeah. I could be like, damn dude, like that was now, it's like probably one of the best days of my life. You know, just because it's like, like you said, when we lose, we learn so much more. And like, I'm so fucking grateful for those losses. Like I, I know like you people like aim to be like oh undefeated never want to lose that oh you know but at the same time it's like i'm glad i did i'm so glad i did because it gave me that lesson where it's like damn i lost i thought i was nothing i thought it was like i was never gonna like be a winner again but it's like well look what happens when you keep going and then you do it again yeah. you win in better fashion yeah the same thing like i take whatever i learned in fighting and i correlate to like this thing we call life and i'm just like oh i'll fucking kick your ass too whatever what comes my way that's right you know that's how it should be that's right but people are like oh when something happens it's the end of the world right it's the adversity right they don't want to face it and they're not willing to put themselves out there yeah. i mean you're willing to go out there i'm willing to go out there and potentially lose yeah right it's the same thing in business right i'm willing to go out there and put my neck on the line and potentially lose but i'm not afraid <laughs> right yeah. and it's the same thing and it's like yeah the critics are going to judge right whether your business fails whether you win the fight it's all the same yeah. but the reason that we're separating ourselves from these other people is because we'll put it on the line and hey if we lose we'll get back up we'll do it again yeah. right we have that ability where these other people will be defeated and they'll crawl back under the rock and they'll never give it a chance again they'll never take a fight or they'll never go for the next business venture or risk anything and we already know i mean the more risk you take the farther you're going to get in this life so yeah. be willing to put yourself on the line and fighting teaches us that too yeah right and i feel like in my posts like what i post daily it's like i always just let people know like execute that's it just execute daily and just see what happens and i always tell like my friends and my family i'm like man if you just disappeared for six months and literally say no to all the bullshit and just put your fucking head down on whatever project that you're gonna do just watch what will happen or maybe it'll take a year who knows but are you willing are you literally willing to like sacrifice those fun times that last little by little they don't really do nothing for you long term but if you sacrifice all that shit you can be free for the rest of your life well, what would you rather do so it's like i i tell people this they listen to it but they don't do it and i'm like okay well then i am i wasting my breath here because that's what that's what my mentor told me he was always like daniel i'm only going to give you time if you execute if you don't execute, you'll never see me. And I'm like, okay, I want to see him. So I executed. And he was like, I'm here because one, I love you. 
man, because you're fucking doing it. You're executing. And that's the thing too. When if somebody were to call me mentor, oh, that means I'm going to be on you. Like I want you to be better than me. That's the whole point of having a protege. When you get called a mentor, you are literally like, all the lessons that I learned, I want to be able to pass that on to you so you don't make those mistakes. And then you get further at a much younger age than I did. But it's, would you rather have playtime or would you rather have freedom? Or you can, you can sacrifice the fun now and play for the rest of your life. Which one would you rather do? Freedom. Right? Freedom. But why is it so hard for people to make that decision, do you think? I just think, uh, man, they lack the discipline and they don't realize every day counts, right? Like, I mean, this is something I wish I would have known younger. Yeah. Like, man, if you can realize in your 20s, every day counts. There isn't a day that you wake up in this life that doesn't matter and mean something towards your goal or towards the direction you're trying to move. Yep. You have to do something every day every day counts yeah. these kids are out here wasting days months years and hey that's great but stop wasting time and realize every day counts and choose freedom over fun right but it's that like i i love like say like my little brother dude he's 19 and me and him just started a project together and i'm like and i was telling him i was like man when you hit 25 you will be fine you won't have to work corporate anymore you're on that path and he's He's like this silent killer, as I would define him, where he's not much of a speaker, but everything I say, he just takes it all here and he just does it. And I'm just like, dude, you're fucking. And I tell my mom when I go home, every time I go see my family, I'm like, hey, this fucking kid's going to be dangerous in the best of ways. <laughs> I'm just like, fuck. But that's, it's beautiful to see, man. But it's like a, it's like a young protege where you see them doing it. And then you're just like, fuck, man. Like what I said instilled in him and it's working. But when people ask questions and they don't execute on the answers, I can't fuck with you because you're wanting that cute motivation, but that shit lasts, lasts like 20 seconds and then you're off to your own thing. So that's a lesson that I learned this year was like balancing that. I'm like, who am I going to give my time to? Are you going to just ask questions and execute or are you just going to ask questions? It's like go on your merry day. Because if you do that, you're wasting my time. So that's one of the probably the biggest lessons that I've learned specifically this year. What if, uh, What about you this year? Like, What's one of like the things that you learned this specific year as we're closing on the end of the year? Man, I, I've, I learned a lot every year, but I think this year the lesson I've learned, man, is like money comes and goes, right? Uh, don't focus on money. You know what I mean? Focus on people, yeah. right? And uh, that's something that I, I, I realize more every day you know, is a uh, focus on people and uh, focus on helping people focus on giving back. Yeah. Right. And the money comes and the money comes. Yeah. Cause like we, I think when last time we were speaking, uh, we were talking about our, uh, our network, you know, like that's what builds your network. Oh yeah. You know, it's a huge thing where it's like, people really think that like, Oh, we do this alone. That's not true. Not at all. We have, like you said, you started a management, you have a team behind you. It takes a team. It takes a village. It does. But people think like, oh, I did it all by myself. Oh, I did all this. Like, no, no, it, you need a team if you want to expand, if you want to grow, if you want to do this, if you want to do that, like you're going to have to invest in a team or build a solid group of people. Can't do this by yourself. No, you if can't. you look at every single fucking grade out there, they had a team behind them. 
and continue to do the so. So that's important, man. That's a good, that's everything. It's another lesson that I learned too, where it's like, I can't do this alone, even though I, sometimes I feel like I can do certain things alone, but at the same time, I'm like, ah, hey, I need somebody on this part because I don't know shit about this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, and that comes from, you know, being self-aware, just aware yeah. of what you're strong at and being aware of what you're not good at. Yeah. Right. And that's how you're going to get far, man. It's like you, you, you align yourself with people who are strong where you're weak. Yeah. You know, and uh, those are the people who are going to help you get where you want to go. Yeah. And it takes a team. Yeah, really does agreed so I'm, I'm gonna go off topic a little bit here uh while i was always training jujitsu uh we there was like there was fighters but like every time you would go upstairs the strict jujitsu guys would be up there so you, you would go upstairs and obviously work with them uh the 99 the of them were high <laughs> so they always told me like bro you feel way better when you're high and rolling so i'm like really Cause they, bro, and they were always fucking good. Like these guys were purple belts, brown belts, and like these guys were slick. So I was like, "Is that part of the process?" <laughs> but I didn't know. So with your in your eyes, like, do you do you feel at ease while you're high and rolling, or or kind of like, what's what makes you feel sharper? Do you think? Well, I mean, so hear me out on this. <laughs> if I'm doing jujitsu, yes. Okay, yeah. Smoke a little weed, relax, yeah. you can be cool, but you already know if you're sparring and there's punching involved, yeah. kicking involved, uh, you don't want to be high. Yeah. Right? So it's a jujitsu thing because obviously jujitsu guys aren't getting punched in the face. But when, like I said, when people are throwing at you and you can get your nose broken and your yeah. teeth knocked out, I recommend don't smoke weed and go to sparring. What about people who fight high? Like That's crazy to that's me. That's crazy, right? Yeah. See, I've never, I'm not much of a smoker. I've had edibles before. Uh, actually, that's not true. Every time I'm with my friends, I do smoke, but I take a hit, but I don't feel ever high. I'm like, I feel like I'm not doing it right. I always like make fun of myself for that. I'm like, dude, I feel like I'm not doing it right. I'm just, I don't know, I'm super lame like that. <laughs> but uh, I, I always felt like it was like, and that's the thing too. Like last time I was high was I've only been high once, but it was a bad high. Like I had like, <laughs> I had a whole brownie. Oh and I was shit! Fucked. Paranoia, bro. Not even that. Like stuck. I couldn't move. I like heart was racing and then I got on the floor like just like had my hands on the ground and my knees on the floor throwing up and crying oh shit <laughs> Dude, man I thought I was gonna die <laughs> yeah edibles are rough I don't even do edibles and Dude, I smoke a lot of weed but yeah man, edibles man I mean you gotta remember like THC when it hits your brain like when you're smoking it yeah versus when it hits your liver when you eat it your your liver actually converts the THC into another chemical really yeah and it has a different effect almost like a like a psychedelic right i mean the room can start spinning dude yeah so and the edibles are rough every time like so i was stuck on the floor right every time i even twitched my finger everything would shake my whole body would like like in the insides it felt like it was like, like an earthquake inside and i was like i can't move in my family like my whole family was just watching me it's so <laughs> embarrassing but i was like don't fucking touch me i was like i can't move and then when they finally put me in the bed bro spinning i was like i was finally calm but i was like oh my god and then i woke up i still felt high i was still okay i was able to cook my breakfast so and so over but i was fucked <laughs> now is it like a homemade edible yes yeah you got to be careful with those because my sister did it oh man yeah because you don't know how much you're eating <laughs> how many why. milligrams exactly and i told her that like the next couple of days i was like i don't even think you know how many milligrams was in yeah. that 
Yeah. Dude, it was bad. I've had a similar experience off edibles, man. And uh, <sighs> that's why I don't really do edibles no more. Yeah. Right? It's just got too profound of an effect on you. It's like, I smoke cannabis to, to level me out because Jeez. I have ADHD. Like, oh, yeah, my brain that. just, man, I overthink. <laughs> I overdo. I overmove. It's like, but when I smoke weed, man, it balances me out. Yeah. You know? And uh, I'm a big advocate of marijuana, obviously. Yeah. I smoke a lot of it. You know, me and my buddy, we have a cannabis brand. Yeah. It's called Deluxe Cannabis. Nice. I, I don't like that stereotype, too, like on like people who like say smoke weed and they're like, they're like lazy people. And I was like, bro, like you're, you're the opposite, the complete opposite of the word lazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what's, it's interesting to me how people still view it that way. You know? Right. Like, I don't, I don't know when that whole psychology will change, but I, I don't know. I think it's just maybe parents or, I don't know. Just people just grew up with it differently, you know? Yeah, true. But one thing I've learned, man, is like, I got to be careful who I push my lifestyle upon, <laughs> right? Because yeah, I function, <laughs> I smoke weed all day. And I function. All right, I'm going to say it. I get, I smoke weed a lot, <laughs> right? But I function. Yes. And you know what I mean? People tend to watch me, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, and when you're a mentor, you know what I mean? You got to be yeah. careful who, who you're, you know, advising, hey, try marijuana because yes. who knows? They could have, they could be paranoid. It could, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't push my lifestyle on everybody, but marijuana is medicine to me. Yes. And, uh, yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, and you got to be one of those people because it could... <laughs> It could be the polar opposite for you, right? Where it could make you want to sit in your room and eat Cheerios all day and, and yeah. do nothing. Where to me, it, man, it, it just it, it balances me out, and I feel like I can go take the world on. And uh, so yeah, bro, and it's it's funny too because like I I don't know, like I feel like if I were to get high, maybe I I, I remember I did recently, uh, and I was smoking in my room with somebody, and I was working at the same time though. I was working on clients, so on and so forth, and like I felt myself pause a lot, and I was like, ooh. I was like, hmm. I was like, I was like, ooh, why, why am I not continuing right now? I would stop <laughs> a lot, and I was like, oh, I think I'm just high, <laughs> dude. I'm like, it's, but it's a trip, bro. But it didn't felt like, I didn't feel not productive. I almost felt like just chilled, just chilled. But I, I don't feel like I smoke enough to actually like feel the real benefits of it. You know, I feel like I actually need to sit with somebody who actually knows what the hell they're doing, and just be like, yeah, all right. You know, yeah. and enjoy it. Absolutely. But I feel like I'm always in an environment at a wedding, at a friend's party, where it's just like it's very high pace, where it's like I'm not able to sink it. It's always just like go. And everybody's firing off around you, moving around you. And it's like, dude, I just I want a second to myself. <laughs> right. And yeah, I mean, obviously, like I think like smoking weed oh, at night would be like my recommendation. If you want to get into using marijuana, I'd say start smoking at night. Like when yeah. you're alone and you're done with your work and you can kind of get into your own head and your own thoughts and, and, and it's better that way. But when you got a ton on your plate and people are around you and, yeah. and it's new to you, it could, it could drive like a paranoid feeling. And, uh, like I said, I just, I'm always careful on who I push my <laughs> lifestyle on for sure. You know, do you think it's cause uh, some people just overdo it maybe? Where it's like they use it, say, in a negative way. Where it's like, like you said, they're not doing anything with their life. Sitting right. on the couch, eating constantly, and just being super lazy. Because I think I viewed it, when I was younger, uh, I was the only person in my crowd who never smoked. Because I saw my friends smoke weed, and their their parents would kick them out. Their parents didn't uh, approve of it. And I was like, oh shit, I can't do it because I don't want to get kicked out of my house. I don't want to be so I was like that advocate when I was younger like guys like like I don't want you guys to be fucking on the street like I want you guys to be home like with your family so and so forth so 
I I saw like the negative side of it. But like I've seen like as I grew up, all these athletes that I was near, they were nearly all high. And they were fucking killers. So I was like, oh, there's just this people just find a way how to harness it the right way, just like how you did. But I don't know if it's practice or if it's just like something that just that's just always you where you have people have like a lazy uh i don't know just kind of like that lazy method where they're like oh i'd rather just sit and chill and then weed just enhances it or does weed just kind of like make you at ease and then you're pretty much at flow with everything else you're doing so it's one or the other but i don't know if it's within people because i mean i'm not too aware of it you know what i mean but right. it's just from my experience but it's, it takes practice though you know what i mean i <laughs> You know, it's, it's like anything. The more you, the more alcohol you drink, the better you are. You know, intoxicated. Same thing with marijuana. Yeah. I mean, you get used to the feeling, but you got to remember, there's a generation of kids now who smoke weed because it's cool, right? Because mm -hmm. they want to look like their favorite rap artist or their yeah. their favorite whoever, right? Yes. So people are, are using marijuana for the wrong reasons. Myself, it's been a part of my life since you know my early 20s, man. My yeah. brother, my older brother, he disappeared. I remember back. I was probably like 20 years old, 21. He told us all, hey, I'm moving down to uh, somewhere down in Southern California. I got a job at a casino. I'm going to be dealing poker. Man, that fool moved up to Northern California, was living in the mountains, growing marijuana gorilla style, you know? Damn. And, uh, yeah, so. Fuck, that's yeah, sick. Yeah, it was, it, it was cool, you know? And he's the one who got me into it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, he put me on and said, come up here, see what I'm doing. And uh, that was back when it was illegal, man. I mean, helicopters were flying yeah, over us. Damn. We had these giant plants out there. And and obviously, marijuana was worth a lot more, yeah. right? Because with the great risk, obviously, increases the value. Now that it's legal, it's lost its value. Why does it feel like, though, it's still illegal to me? Well, I mean, because you can still get a DUI, right? Like driving under the influence on it. Oh. But I mean, now you can medicate in public. I mean, I smoke weed in front of the cops, you know? Yeah. Shit. Yeah, I mean, because now it's legal. Okay. To me, bro, it feels like there's still so much more. Uh, there's a lot of restrictions still. I don't know why. I mean, I'm not in the in the world, but I still feel like, oh, what are you doing? Right. You know what I mean? Right. But like, say alcohol, that's like a normal thing. Right. Where it's like, if you're not drinking, something's wrong with you. Right. So you got to remember, like, the stigma created around marijuana was created by the pharmaceutical companies. Oh. Right. So they put out a bunch of propaganda. They put out all this false information, obviously, to bastardize marijuana yeah. because their drugs, their pharmaceutical drugs that are 10 times worse for your body and your mind. And they make them a lot of money. Yeah, make them a lot of money. So they did everything they could. And I think people still carry that stigma around because, I mean, medical marijuana has only been a thing for 10 years. It's pretty new. But I think 25, 30, 40, 50 years from now, people are going to realize like there are actual benefits to smoking marijuana. Most people have no idea. Your body has its own endocannabinoid system. So the cannabinoids in the marijuana actually attach to your body and heal you, yeah. right? So there's all kinds of healing purposes and properties to marijuana, eating it, whether it be, you know, using the CBD, right? I mean, there's more to it than just the THC, yeah. right? So, I mean, most people don't see past the psychedelic effect it has or the, the high it gives you into the wow this is real medicine yeah. and it's big pharma that's been after destroying marijuana for all these years yeah so right? do you think uh what is the cbd and uh thc so if i were to smoke um say marijuana and it's like cbd form yeah will i still get the healing effects oh yeah yeah without the psychedelic effect oh so wow. you wouldn't be high but your body would <gasps> your body would you know 
it would take in the medicine and the yeah. weed and it would it would definitely help you out in a different type of way yeah i was sponsored by a cbd company when i was fighting and uh they, i had the drops i would i didn't have like the he did have the joints though but i've never tried them because i always had that like oh i'm a fighter i can't smoke <laughs> i don't know why dude i always had that i can't be a bad boy you know i was always like oh bro when i was a fucking fighter i was like so saying no to everything and that's kind of why i still say no still you know i only say like yes to like things that are going to benefit me but i never i never would have i never smoked the cbd one i'm kind of curious like how that would be probably be like nearly like the drops just like the healing factor yeah yeah Damn, and it's just the, the sensation of though of having a joint in your hand smoking it it's, it's yeah. a good feeling you know oh yeah when you're passing it with yeah, everybody it's you the know social I mean? aspect too right yeah. like passing a joint around talking to everybody and keep in mind i don't drink yeah right i'm a i'm a big 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 anti-alcohol person yeah right i mean i, I stopped drinking when i was about 30 and I went hard, bro. I mean, from shit, bro. I started partying at like 15, drinking, smoking Whoa. weed, uh, you know, mushrooms, you know, LSD, <laughs> all the crazy shit. But I got all that out of my system young. You know what yeah. I mean? And like, I mean, I drank till I was 30, but I was never a party boy. I wasn't out every weekend. I would go out and have fun. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what a young man's supposed to do in a way, you know, yeah. experience life. But yeah. I mean, man, since I quit drinking alcohol eight years ago, I mean... I feel amazing. That's probably why you look so fucking young. Yeah. You know, because like they say like alcohol just ages the shit out of you. And I've seen that with experience with like people and because I know a lot of alcoholics uh, personally. So I'm just like, wow, like you, you're, you're only 40, but you look 70. It's a trip, dude. It is. So it that def definitely plays a factor on like how you look too because alcohol just damages you in so many ways, bro. And like, and like me, bro, like I don't drink often. I really don't. Uh, I probably, I definitely do get drunk when I'm with my friends or when I'm with my family. So Christmas, we'll probably have some like red wine with the family, but I'm not going to get fucking plastered with wine. It's like a glass. Like right. I'm just like, I'll enjoy it. Social, cool. Everybody's eating so and so forth, but I'm not going to be like, oh, 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 oh. Yeah. you know, totally yeah. different. But like when I'm with my friends and there's a party, it's like, I'm enjoying myself. Absolutely. I'm just like, fuck it. But there is going to come to a point like yourself where it's just like, I just completely say no to alcohol Yeah, because... I often always find myself saying no because I know like yesterday there was a work party. I said, no, I was like, no, I have podcasts to do tomorrow. I have client schedules to do tomorrow. I have to train in the morning tomorrow. I was like, I have a busy schedule Friday. So no, you know, it's that's a liability. Yeah, totally. So, and then like so confused, like, damn, you're not doing anything Friday. I'm like, no, you're not doing anything that's right. Friday. <laughs> that's right. I got plenty of things to do Friday. You're wasting your Friday hungover, yes. right? And I always like say that too. I'm like, man, the best thing that you can do over the weekend is wake up without a hangover. That's right. Right? Yeah. That's how you win. Dude. That's how you win. We talked about not wasting time or days, right? I mean, part of your life away, you know? And there's nothing wrong. I mean, I've had some of the greatest times in my life on <laughs> alcohol, bro. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? Completely just wilding out. Yeah, yeah. But there's a time and a place for that. Yeah. Right? And few people have the discipline to keep it at being the right time in the right place. Yeah. Right. And I think that's where, that's where that whole thing falls apart is they think they need to go home every night, crack a beer, have a shot or two. Yeah. And next thing you know, you look back, you've wasted time. You look in the mirror. You don't like how you look. Yeah. You don't like how you feel. And then what, how do you take life on? Yeah. Yeah, man. You always have to just be fucking on your toes and be very, very aware of what you are putting into your body. Absolutely. You know, cause that shit matters and it will, and I always say that too, man. Like what you do in your 20s will correlate to your 30s. So it's like if you want to be good on your 30s, like what did you do in your 20s? 
that made your 30s good. That's right. But that's right. It's like that, it's like the opposite where people are using their 20s to fuck around too much. So it's like you have to pick one. That's right. You cannot do fucking both. Like bro, like me there's like that thing where it's like balance. I I don't think there's a perfect balance with anything. Like I I think that if I'm with family, I'm with family. That's that balance where it's like, I'm not, you're never going to see me on my phone with my family. You're never going to see me on my fucking computer with my family. You're never going to see me doing something else while I'm with my family. I am with my family. When I'm at work, I'm at work. I'm not with, obviously I'm not with my family, so on and so forth. I'm at work when I'm at work. When I'm doing my business, my business. When I'm doing my podcast, my podcast. So it's like that goes into balance, but I can't do this podcast while scheduling clients that's not balance so when people ask me that too like how do you balance out your life daniel where i'm like i'm like i don't i just if i'm doing a specific thing all my attention goes there just like this you're here right in front of me you have my full fucking attention phone is gone nobody is in this house and i made sure of that just so i can be dialed for you because if I wasn't, bro, that'd be so fucking unprofessional. You would probably, if I was talking to people on this, on my laptop, while we were doing this, you were like, I'm never getting on that fucking podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, for but, real. Bro, like, put your attention to the shit that matters rather than a bunch of fucking liabilities. It's and facts. people crash and burn. Why is my life so fucking in a rut? Why am I just so stuck? Look at what you fucking do every day. Right. Right. But they don't have anybody to slap in the face for that. You know, they have probably a bunch of yes men or just a bunch of friends that don't challenge them. Right. Right. Bunch of people that don't want to see you come up because they ain't doing shit. Right. So stay here. Stay, stay here. With us. Stay with us. It's comfortable here. Right. <laughs> don't become the measuring stick. Don't show me how hard I have to work to get to where you're going. Right. But bro, isn't it hard though? It's supposed to be. It's, it's supposed like to be. The hard, bro, this shit is harder than ever. I This year, <laughs> the hardest year I've ever had. But it's the best year I've ever had. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. It just gets fucking better, bro. Oh yeah. Fuck. It does get better, <laughs> right? And most people are afraid to play chicken with life, bro. You got to stand in front of life and say, fucking bring it on, right? I'm not backing down, Literally, right? Man. We're going to go for it. We're going to get what we want, right? Not even thinking about the money. Right? Just pushing. Yeah. Not thinking about the sleep. Just fucking pushing, man. Yes. Exactly. You know, we'll, we'll sleep when we're dead. You <laughs> yes. know what I mean? That's the way I look at it. Pretty fucking much. Well, my brother, I want to be uh, very respectful of your time. And we went way over an hour. So uh, my very last question to you. How old were you? What were you saying? I'm 37. I'll be 37. 38. Oh, soon. you yeah. said you were 40. Almost. Getting <laughs> yes. close. Okay. Getting close. Well, my brother, in your 37 years of life, what's the greatest lesson you've ever learned? I think kind of what we were just talking about, balance right you can do a lot but don't do too much of one thing yeah. too hard right do everything you need to do and do a little bit of each thing every day find your balance yeah yeah that's perfectly said my brother are there any closing statements for the podcast uh just thanks for having me on man I really appreciate you brother yeah man honestly bro like i've i've always heard so many good things about you and it's funny i always knew of you right like i always knew of you but i never met you but like you were everything that everybody said you know, appreciate and you, like, brother. and that's what I mean, bro. Like this won't stop. Like I know, like Hannah has this thing going where it's like, oh, we're all gonna meet up once a month, so and so forth. And like, bro, I I can see that turning into something. Absolutely. You know, like like I said, that that network, bro, 
it's gonna build into something my brother but honestly man i appreciate you everything your company your values man and just thank you for being here my thank brother. you my brother all right ladies and gentlemen we are out here goodbye uh, boom <laughs> done dude